Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Environmental Social Justice. Today we have a returning guest, Mr. Robert Catalan. He is the CEO of Focused Magnetics Incorporated. Welcome to the show. Thank hey, you so much for inviting me again, Wendy. And thank you. So when you and I first spoke, I called you Iron Man and Tony Stark because you have created a technology called the Pure Hellback Array, which is in front of you there. Yes. And it kind of looks like the, the Iron Man symbol. That's why I came up with yes. this. But the cool thing is like you, I don't even, could you explain what the Pure Hellback Array is so people can understand? Yes. Yeah, so um, very simply, um, it's a special kind of electric motor or electromagnet, as it were, where you can actually focus all of the magnetic force only to one side. Normally, an ordinary magnet or electromagnet has a north pole and a south pole of equal strength. And that has tremendous disadvantages. And yeah. this particular technology solves it. And I'll show you uh, exactly how it's how it works. This is an example, by the way, of a pure Halbach array electric motor. This is the rotor, the part that spins. And this is the stator, which we've made transparent, which as you can see is very different from any kind of electric motor out there. You can verify that yourself through the web. <laughs> if you find it on Google, you know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we're done. Pictures in Google Images. Or so, Firefox, um, whatever you're using. Um, I would uh, like to go show you a few uh, slides to explain exactly what Halback arrays are. And I'll just put this down very quickly. I hope you don't mind. No, please. Okay. So uh, it's kind of heavy. It's uh, massive. So, uh, okay. Is that so better? It's a moment and a workout. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. So um, let me see. I will um, go through the slides very quickly. So why are we talking about uh, focus magnetics? The number one reason is climate change. Okay. Yes. The International Energy Agency says that 40% of all the energy that the world produces is consumed by electric motors. But it says household appliances as a certain percentage, electronics, vehicles like trains, uh, electrochemical, guess what? All of those things, household appliances, like uh, refrigerators and AC units, they all have electric motors. So actually, it's more than just half of the world's energies consumed by electric motors. And that's why making electric motors much better than before is absolutely essential. Okay? Okay. Now, look at it. Look at this. I can show you actually a video of uh, a professor from London in uh, 1970. Um, this is a 65 and 75 year old stator. And this is a 2022 Tesla. Model S Plaid stator, and they're virtually identical. Mm. Huh. And I can show you, if you don't mind, I'll show you very quickly uh, a clip from 1970s, okay? Uh, I hope you don't mind. Very, very quickly. No, no. This is fascinating. Yes. Um, okay. This is uh, Professor Eric Lathwaite of the uh, Imperial College in London, and he will tell you the same thing because... Sometimes people don't believe you if you say it yourself, right? Oh, yes, I can relate. Electric motors. This one, built in 1914, and this one, 
50 years later. So in the intervening time, new developments in insulating materials for the electric wire and new magnetic materials for the magnetic poles have resulted, together with an increase in the cooling facilities in the small machine, enable engineers to produce this dramatic increase in the power available from a given size of motor. But inside, the shape of the two machines is the same. Okay, so yeah. uh, very, very simply, what he's saying is um, what I've been uh, repeating here. A 65 and 75-year-old stator is identical to a Tesla Model S plaid motor. Hmm. And doesn't that just blow your mind? Right? Yeah, because yeah, we all thought it was brand new technology and clearly not. <laughs> absolutely. This is state of the art, supposedly, right? Tesla Model S plaid, but it isn't. Okay, so uh, what's the problem? The fundamental problem is as a kid, children are taught to wrap copper wire on a nail okay. and connect it to a battery. And all of a sudden, they can pick up paper clips from both sides, both yep. ends of that nail. Yeah. Right? Every, every kid has done that. Now, that. the point is that even if you use the end of the nail, the sharp end or the, uh, the head of the nail, it can pick up because the magnetic field is the same both ways. It's 50% north, 50% south. Now, in all, all of the electric motors today, and without exception, including the Tesla Model S, each of these loops, just like this loop, has 50% magnetic energy facing the rotor, the spinning part of the motor, and 50% of the magnetic energy going outside towards the shell of the uh, electric motor where it's doing nothing. It's wasting energy. It's converted to heat. It oh. is just causing drag, okay? Hmm. So this particular motor of ours is the very first one, the very first one that can focus all of its magnetic energy only between the rotor and the stator. So there's hardly any magnetic energy wasted anywhere, okay? Um, here's how I explain it best, okay? Say you were to move a house. You move your house and you had a gigantic refrigerator and you needed people to come along and the mover said okay we'll bring four people to you but the four people are actually siamese twins so in an ordinary electric motor the siamese twins are identical in height identical in size and because they're conjoined back to back just like a magnet has um a rotor and a uh, sorry a um north pole and a south pole for the stator and another north pole and the south pole for the rotor. Again, simplifying it to just one each, right? Yeah. Only the two people facing the work can actually lift the object. And this is true in all electric motors today, including the Tesla, as I just showed you, showed to you. Now, these two are grabbing anything metallic. And they're causing the work to be harder than it should be, right? They're consuming energy for four people, even if two of them are not doing anything. Imagine that half of the world's energy is this way. Yeah. And engineers 
are adamant that this is the best way and that is completely wrong, especially with the threats that we're facing right now. Uh, uh, California is again on fire. Montana was underwater. All of these other places are experiencing floods that are only going to become a daily occurrence or at least a monthly occurrence. Yeah. Now, what does focus magnetics do? What we're doing is that we're using what's known as a Halbach array, and you can look it up on Wikipedia. So focus magnetics invented the electromagnetic version of a Halbach array. A Halbach array, as discovered by Klaus Halbach, pertained to permanent magnets only, meaning magnets that are, excuse me, magnets that are permanently North Pole, South Pole, and uh, you cannot control this. You cannot turn a permanent magnet off or on. Okay, right. so it's not very useful in an electric motor. But in an electromagnet, which we've invented, an electromagnetic Halbach array, you can control it. So what we've done is we've taken the energy that was being used by these two outward-facing twins, and we shrink them to about 3% the size. And it's possible to shrink them even more. But they'll always be there. And we give the energy instead to the two workers who are actually doing the work, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, if you grow to nearly twice your size, if you're at the gym and you suddenly become Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, pun, uh, pushing weights is so much easier, right? Yes, definitely. So, so the main point here is that it's still the same four people. There's no additional energy needed to increase the performance of the electric motor. So what are the benefits then of doing that? Again, I need to emphasize that there's no additional consumption, and yet you're nearly doubling the capability of your electric motor. So what, what happens? The benefit is simple for an EV, you can go nearly twice the distance on the same range. Oh, sorry, twice the uh, distance on the same set of batteries. Oh, wow. Okay. Or make the EV more affordable for everybody by reducing the amount of batteries and yet providing the same range. Right? Yeah. So the batteries are the most expensive part yes. of any EV. Imagine an electric aircraft today. They are weighed down by those batteries. That's the biggest concern. That's the biggest, the flight uh, weight, the takeoff weight is too heavy because of batteries. You can reduce that and yet still provide the same amount of power. Again, my emphasis here is nobody in 130 years has done this. Okay. So what are the other potential applications? Power generation, robotics, uh, earth-moving equipment, uh, semi-trucks, MRI. The reason why MRI is at the basement of a hospital is that it's too heavy to put on higher floors, right? We can reduce the weight of MRI by half so that it'll be less expensive, less dangerous, because all of the magnetic forces 
focused only in that aperture and nowhere else. Today, if you approach an MRI floor, they'll tell you, remove anything metal on your body or it'll be ripped out. As a matter of fact, there was a young boy who was killed while being inside that uh, MRI machine. An oxygen tank flew from two rooms away into the MRI machine and killed it. Yeah, I've heard of that happen. And that doesn't need to happen anymore with this technology. Because it's focused in one direction. Like you're taking both sides and you're just pushing it together into one direction, right. maximizing the efficiency. So let's talk about climate change again. And the number one reason why we have uh, this explosion in CO2, CO2 levels is tailpipe emissions. Okay. The United States right now only has 33 miles of high-speed rail. China has 22,600 miles of high-speed rail. If you go visit Paris, you just take the subway and you're literally anywhere you want to go. You can't do that in the United States. As a matter of fact, here's a funny anecdote. When I first arrived in um, the United States, I had a conference booked just two roads away from my hotel. I tried to walk two roads away to my hotel. I could not get there. Oh, no. I was in the highway. <laughs> I was on the highway and I didn't like, how, how can I get there? I, I booked specifically to get to my uh, conference center just two roads away and I could not get there. That, imagine that was so frustrating for me. Oh, you know, I've been there. I get it. Yeah. Right? After, you know, you've been to Singapore, you've been to all of these other places where there's metro and you just need to go two streets away and you can't. Mm -hmm. So maglev is a perfect solution for the United States. Yes. Because um, you can get there as fast as aircraft and we need it badly. We need it badly to address climate change. And our technology reduces the amount of material that you need to make it work. And here's the thing. The maglev that you're using right now, developed by Germans and uh, currently being used in the Shanghai airport, as you can see, these are the, the coils that they're using, the electromagnets that they're using to lift that mm -hmm. train. The problem is it's still emanating 50% of the magnetic energy in the wrong direction. Yep. It's irradiating the passengers on that train. And so it's it's also a health hazard as well as increasing the cost of the of the maglev as well as making um, the the creation of this uh, maglev system much more uh, resource intensive than it needs to be. This technology that we have, Focus Magnetics, solves this problem. Okay, but perhaps the last, this is the last slide. Um, the biggest uh, and most effective way of solving our energy problem, they say, is fusion. Yeah. Okay. Now, they have what's known as a tokamak uh, fusion. This one on the left is a tokamak design. And another similar, which is a little bit more of a, uh, a crumpled or twisted uh, tokamak design called a stellarator. 
and this is its particular design. Now, notice, notice this. I hope if you go back to the to the um, to the kids' uh, winding of that nail, they're doing the same thing. They're relying on a loop. Okay, the nail is not there. The circular nail is not there, but they're relying on loops. Yeah. Okay. That is a big problem. A very big problem. Why? Believe it or not, Joel and Wendy, both of you have seen uh, a working uh, fusion reactor. You've seen it. You know it. You, you love it every day. You just look up into the sky. It's the sun. The sun is a working fusion reactor. That is true. Okay? We have to follow the clues given by nature. <laughs> what they're doing here is they're, they want to create a sun-like capability inside a donut. This one and this one. The sun, if you look up into the sky, it's not housed in a donut. And that's why they say, they're saying that it'll be decades away for fusion reactors to, to happen. Because they're not looking at what works in nature. They're trying to force their technology yeah. and make it happen. Okay. God. Doesn't so work what, as well. Exactly. So what Focus Magnetics has done is we have a breakthrough, and I announced it, right? It's a completely different thing because we're not limited to these, these loops. These loops are there because they want to confine the plasma inside that thing. If they design it in any other way other than loops, it won't work for them because you need that magnetic force to be contained in, in, in that, right? The magnetic force to contain the intense heat. And we can actually focus all of the magnetic energy only on one side so that we're not limited to these loops. We're not limited to a donut shape. Yeah. The sun is not enclosed in a donut shape. So, um, again, this is why um, focus magnetics is so essential to the uh, solving climate change, solving the energy issues, solving the uh, tailpipe emissions. Um, please, um, if you have any questions, that's all I wanted to show. I think it was faster this time and easier to explain, right? Much well, much easier now that you have the visuals because the first yes. time we spoke, it was a Joel. little... Yeah, go ahead, Joel. Yeah, so I, my, my biggest question is, so obviously, and, I'm, and I don't want to just talk about one auto manufacturer here, but what you've okay. shown is kind of like the, the technology has never evolved except to make it smaller. It's the, it's, the, it's the exact same technology, only smaller. That's kind of, you know, so how what do you see as the biggest obstacle for getting a change? to go from what people have been using for 50, 60, 70 years to transfer over to a new technology. Because change, we're it's not hard. very good at it. Uh, you know, so absolutely, how, absolutely. What's your biggest obstacle that you've run into now that you have this before you? How do you get people to implement it and to be well, open to it? Uh, Professor Donald Sadoway, who is an expert in, um, in uh, batteries, has uh, a very good example, right? He's saying that, um, you know, when Sony discovered the lithium-ion battery, Sony asked 
the assistance and support and try to convince a lot of other manufacturers to use uh, lithium ion for a long while. And I think you remember we were on nickel metal hydride and all of these other uh, uh, batteries which didn't last long. You charge it, use it once, and that's it, right? Yeah. It took a decade for the industry to actually adopt lithium ion. And this is kind of similar, but because of climate change and because of the popularity of um, uh, electric vehicles, I think that will change very quickly. Are you finding that corporations are more open to having these conversations and figuring out how they, because the reality is, as we've said numerous times on the show, you follow the dollar. And if this is a way bring the car costs down or whatever industry or technology it's for, if you can bring it down, people are more apt to be able to afford it and spend it and boost it. So do you find that the tech, that these industries are open to this? Well, um, believe it or not, the uh, EV manufacturers, uh, they practice what's known as vertical integration, right? So they want to own every aspect of uh, their cars because their profit margins are so slim. Now, uh, I think it was um, uh, McKinsey uh, reporting that for Germany, for example, 50% of their costs in every car is actually management costs. That's not the same for Tesla, I'm sure. But... um, it's very hard to to um, convince these people right. um, to uh, adopt this. Why? Because you have the not invented here syndrome. You've got a lot of engineers already there, right? Whose years of experience, whose uh, proposals, yeah. whose uh, projects are, you know, they're going to be scared for their salaries. They're going to be scared for their careers. Oh. If all of a sudden the management realizes, oh, guess what? This guy has come up with an electric motor that's far better than whatever you've been selling me for the last 20 or so years, right? So so it's difficult to get in there because the executives themselves, and that's where a guy like Elon Musk is uh, fantastic because Elon Musk is technical enough to understand what works. And he doesn't buy the, sorry, pardon my French, but doesn't buy the BS from his engineers for stuff that doesn't work. And that's why things uh, rapidly evolve at Tesla. Whereas in other companies, the executives are finance managers, they're bean counters. They don't know a thing about the technology. So they just accept the word of their engineers as gospel. Right. Which is interesting that you bring that up because I think we're starting to see that more and more as these new companies are emerging, whether it's Tesla, Rivian, Fisker, Faraday, VinFast. These are all independent companies that are able to streamline the process, make a decision and run with it. So Absolutely. it's not like you're saying, it's not you have to go through the executive board of, you know, multiple meetings, run it through the categories and the different <laughs> organizations within the structure and then go back and forth. So I think we're starting to see the industries and not just auto. I do think this is going to start happening in a lot of ways where it's becoming more of a streamlined process where it's like, nope, we're going to try this. Let's figure this out. And you have like, I, a month. 
Yes, I surely hope so. Um, and we've we've experienced both ends actually. Uh, yeah. Just last yeah. week, we had a um, presentation with uh, you know one of the top uh, defense uh, companies because really? the defense companies need the very best technology. No uh, excuses. If you've you know, got the best technology, they will they will adopt it. There's they're not concerned about they're not too concerned, I should say about uh, you know vertical integration right. if i can just jump in real quick one of yes. the when you talked about with um military implications i recently learned that during one of our afghanistan wars our troops were targeted at nighttime when they would turn on the generators mm -hmm. they could be heard they knew where to shoot they knew where to fire so that's when they started to adopt solar and renewable energy because it was quieter Right, right. So that's a huge implication for having something quieter. Yes. You know, aside from the carbon emissions, quieter right. for the safety of our troops. That's right. gigantic. Right. Um, but I love the transportation side because our transportation here is not great. We, I, we all know this. And to have, you know, magnetics, quiet, efficient, more efficient than what we currently have, pushing trains along, right. we could solve a lot of our logistics issues as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you see that there's applications for this for the private? I mean, obviously, a lot of things I do believe start with it being military use. We do know that, you know, things will start there. They get trickled down into normal day to day use. Where do you see this? Where do you see the potentials for somebody who's just working at home? Like, what could be the uses for them? Like, I mean, I'm just and I'm thinking long term, obviously, but how could this be used for somebody in their own home? Well, one of the things which we're uh, one of the products that we're looking at actually is to every electric motor is also a generator. It all depends on what spins the rotor, right? So there's what's known as a vertical axial uh, wind turbine, a VAWT. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, a smaller motor, um, let me see. If I don't like, yeah, a smaller motor like this. Oh. Right? Sorry. A smaller motor like this. Mm -hmm. can be powered by a vertical axis wind turbine, a very small household wind turbine. Now, what we're developing um, combines everything that the uh, household would need. Interesting. The, the, the thing is, look at uh, the Ukraine today, and you, mm -hmm. you, you'll ask those in the, directly in the line of fire, what are the basic things that they need? They need water, they need communications, they need power. Right. Um, and and uh, pretty much that's it. And if you can provide that, drinkable water, right? Power, communications. And if you can combine that, if you were right now, say in Montana, you were in, in the, you know, in, in, um, in a place where you had no help uh, forthcoming, people... In these situations, in these dire situations, they need this. And and here's the thing, like you said, right? Follow the money or uh, people need this, but that's the difference between do people want it, hmm. right? Because want is different from need. Oh, yes. We could offer a vertical... Uh, uh, actual wind turbine that has communications capabilities that can provide you with clean, drinkable water, provide you with a way to charge your cell phones or whatever. 
But then again, will it sell? That's the question. People definitely need it, but the question is, will people actually buy it because they want it? Usually, it? sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Yes, usually people buy uh, things for emergencies like flashlights and batteries and uh, you know supplies only when they see some something wrong coming. But uh, with climate change, nobody's reacting the way that they should. And there's so much pushback on it. I mean, exactly. You know, solar has been around for a very long time, and there's so much pushback against it. So I mean, and it's not just from the consumer; it also comes from the power companies as well as there's a little bit of the government right there as well. Because there's pushback against going this way because then you start impacting the, the power plants and then you start impacting the revenue. And again, follow the money. But now we're also yeah. looking at what happens to these solar panels when they become obsolete. You know, Absolutely. are they just going to landfills and what's the ramifications of that? And we're seeing that. So I love this thought because I know there's a lot of talk on wind power right now. And I know there's this, you know, they're talking about the solar farms in the ocean. I love this idea because if you're able to take something like this where you can harness that power and it goes to the, I mean, that's just, the implications are mind blowing for what yeah. something as simple and small as what you just showed yeah. can do for all of us. It's incredible. Right. To yeah. It's endless possibilities. Per, per household, for uh, as a good example of this is, uh, if you were by the seaside, you can toss this out the side of your 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 dinghy or whatever, and it could provide you with power, communications, clean, That's drinkable cool. water, and it work. Wow, your mind is scary yet very impressive because I'm all <laughs> I'm like. No, I mean, anybody who can sit there and think of these things and, and really put them together, I'm always very impressed by because I'm like going, I am, yeah, that's not how my mind works. <laughs> well, that's why we have people like Robert. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Robert, so, because um, we're at our 30-minute mark. Yes. How can people find you? What is, I mean, you, this can be used in any capacity, quite honestly. Yes. I think the dire emergency we need is buildings and transportation. Yes, for absolutely. energy resources. Yes. Um, how can people find you? Well, you know, hunt you down, get you to implement your materials. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, uh, so um, anybody can uh, access me through LinkedIn. Uh, Focus Magnetics is on the web, though it's, it's still in stealth mode. Um, I have uh, an email address for everybody to use. That's contact us at. Uh, focusmagnetics.com and uh, they can contact us through that. Perfect. Now guys, look up Robert. This is the second time we've had him on because his invention is quite remarkable and a game changer for our energy issues and our transportation issues that will not go away anytime soon unless we adapt to new technology. This is what Robert's done. He has created new technology. So Robert, thank you again for coming. You're thank doing you wonderful so much things. Thank you for inviting me again. This of course. Awesome. And yeah, this we love having you. So guys, take care. I'm Wendy Nystrom with Environmental um, Environmental Social Justice with my co-host, Joel Vendette. Thank you again, Robert. Y'all take care. Bye. Thank you so much. You guys take care. Bye-bye.